hope you do have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 27. Father, we're so thankful and grateful. We praise you for our time this morning. We praise you because you have given us so many good things. But above all, you've given us your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, please, even now, help us to see him, to know him, and to respond to him appropriately, to all that he is, all that he's done, and all that he's promised. For we ask this in his beloved name. Amen. Luke 11, beginning verse 27, reads this, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong portion. Wrong chapter. If you skip over a chapter, that's, you'll read the same thing. <laughs> you guys are all like, what is he doing? And as he said these things, a woman in the cro- uh, crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. In this passage before us this morning, we're going to see something about an inappropriate response to Jesus. In both cases here, we have responses to Jesus, and in both cases, they are completely inappropriate. And there's a way in which people respond to Jesus that's appropriate, and there's a way that's completely inappropriate. There's a way that we respond to Jesus that's appropriate, and is completely inappropriate. This particular lady in this text who responds to Jesus, she responds in a way that's inappropriate because she doesn't really get where the true blessing's at. The next group of people who respond to Jesus is inappropriate because they don't even understand who Jesus is and what he's done. They keep seeking for more. So we're going to, be, we're going to begin this morning by looking at this woman, this lady who responds to Jesus, who shouts out to Jesus from the crowd, as she does in verse 27, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breasts at which you nurse. Kind of a strange response, isn't it? Jesus has just cast out a demon, and then he speaks to them about this demon leaving, and then if they're not careful, and they just sweep the house clean, it's not refilled with the proper owner, then all of a sudden, seven worse could come back. He just finished saying that, and then she yells out from the crowd, Blessed be the womb, and blessed be the breast that nursed you. You're kind of like, what? What was that all about? 
You know, at least when Mike hollers out, it's relative to what I'm saying, and I like it. (laughs) (laughs) But it... But if he said like things like that often, it'd be kind of strange and weird. It's like, what's going on here? I mean, Jesus is, is amazing because I would have been completely flustered. It's like, what, what, where is that coming from? Until actually I get to understand the context and what's really going on. Because there's a cultural gap. Nobody in their right mind is going to yell out how blessed the womb is that bore you and the breast that nursed you. I mean... We think maybe, maybe there's a, this is odd. We, we just cast a demon out of this guy, perhaps this person as well. <laughs> but Jesus seizes the opportunity to teach. To teach the lady how much, there, how much of her response was lacking. And realizing her response to him was really just not completely informed. Because she's praising him for the less important things while missing the most important things. What this lady did was actually a huge compliment in the day. Because it was like saying, you're one special and amazing human being. In fact, so special and amazing, that the woman who bore you and nursed you has to be the most blessed woman in the world. So instead of saying, wow, the things you do and the things you say are astounding, She said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. It was a way of indirectly complimenting Jesus. She's pointing out how blessed the mother would have been to have had such an amazing son. As one commentator put it, the woman, excuse me, ravished with his wisdom and perhaps believing him to be the long-expected Messiah, expressed her admiration of his character in an exclamation upon the happiness of the woman who had the honor of giving him birth, a thought very natural for a woman in that day. So it isn't, wasn't necessarily strange or odd in that day because that was a way that you could really compliment the person, saying they're some spectacular person. But Jesus responds to this compliment this way. He says, rather... Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So that he gives a correction. Rather, it's more blessed. You're more blessed to those who hear the word of God and keep it. As if to say, the blessedness which you prize so much and which could be enjoyed by one woman only, however great she was, however great this experience was, is far inferior to the blessedness which comes from knowing and obeying the word of God. Because think about it. Mary's blessing was only temporary. It's now a a distant memory. It was great in the moment. It was great in the day. But now it's it's a memory that's fading with time. It's becoming further and further away. Yet, hearing God's word and keeping it has blessings eternal. And there's a, there's, a, there's a blessing that's true, there's a blessing that's real, but there's a blessing that's so much greater. It's kind of like asking, which is a greater blessing? To have a million dollars for 20 years or a billion dollars for eternity? 
So the one is a definite blessing, but the other is so much greater. And yet, you know what I thought of? How often we're like the lady. We praise Jesus for the good things in our lives. We see them and we know them to be blessings and we're thankful for them. But we don't praise Him for the things in our life that God's Word has promised us to be true blessings. Now let me explain what I mean by that. If we were to look at Scripture and what Jesus has said to us and what Jesus has declared to us, and what Jesus calls blessing, we would be informed that the true and great blessings come from the weirdest and strangest of circumstances that normally we would never call them blessings. If I was to do a survey right now, you guys tell me what the blessings are in your life. You would name all the good and prosperous things in your life. The health, the wealth, the prosperity, the job, the family, the things that are all the good things. And so we respond to Jesus, and it's appropriate, it's, it's, it's a good response, but we miss Jesus, often he's saying the greater things, there's greater blessings that you really ought to praise God for. Luke 6, and I'm going to read some examples of here's God's word speaking in the blessings that come from it. Luke 6, 22 through 23. Blessed are you when people hate you. Huh? When was the last time you said, oh, I'm so blessed. The most blessed of all. I'm hated by everyone. (laughs) Blessed are, are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you. Oh, this is lovely. They've excluded me. I love this. And revile you. Look at the moron over there. Oh, another blessing. And they spurn your name as evil. Praise be to the Lord. (laughs) Blessed are you, Jesus says. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. What? For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Wow. Then down just a little bit further, Luke 6, verse 35. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. That's what we love to do. That's what you call really bad investments. (laughs) And know what he says to this? And your reward will be great. Huh? Am I reading this right? Is this is this really going on here? Does Jesus is this what Jesus is talking about? Well, yeah, he says more. Luke 6 verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Give generously. Generously give. And as you give generously, it will be given back to you. Luke 14, 12 through 14. It's where Jesus said to the man who had invited him as a guest. And Jesus says to him, when you, have a, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors lest 
they also invite you in return and you be repaid. What? Yeah, you don't want to get an invite. You don't want to get invited back. You don't want to be repaid. You, don't, you, want to, you want to have it go one way. He goes on to say, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Isn't that great? Not being able to be repaid, is, this, is, this is wonderful news. He says, he goes on, he finishes it this way, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, this is what Jesus has said. This is what his word has declared. And so many of these blessings are just mind-boggling. Okay, I'm not comprehending. Because when I first asked the question, I said to you, hey, name your blessings, what are they? I, people hate me, revile me, never repay me. I make really dumb investments. You know. All the opposite of what we would normally think. And he's saying, no, 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 you've got to get it. You've got to understand. And this life is temporal. The life to come is eternal. And you've got to be investing in the right place. You've got to understand the true and eternal blessings. This is why Paul says what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. Colossians 3, 23-24. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men knowing that the, from the Lord you will receive the, an inheritance as your reward. It's, this whole mindset is one of disregarding how the world views blessedness and investing in an eternal blessedness and realizing how that blessedness comes. Who are the really, truly blessed? Jesus tries to help this lady. No, it's not, it's not just the physical blessed. You've got to understand those who know and hear the word of God and keep it. Those who hear the promises of God and believe it. Those who take what, what is say, he is saying to them and saying, yes, that's true. They hold it, they obey it, they keep it, and they long for the expected promise to, to bring in the dividends. This is why 1 Peter says what he does. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In this you rejoice. Rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, at the resurrection, it's always an eternal hope. The hope, uh, the hope in the life that is to come. I'm telling you what, how, how often is our hope and our, our looking to and our blessedness all so much attached to this life in this world? Oh, if you were truly blessed, what would you have? Oh, I could tell you the house. Oh, I could tell you the, the car I'd be driving. I could tell you the, the, the property I'd have by the lake. I could tell you all the blessedness. And man, it would be nice. I could tell you what my family would look like. I could tell you all these great and lovely things. And that, oh, that would be the blessedness. Isn't that, 
Isn't that how we react, how we live, how we respond so often? Caught up in the world and the things of this world, thinking the blessedness, the true blessedness of God is like here and now. If God is truly blessing me, when would this blessing come? Sometime soon. Like in this life. And when the ble- and when we don't get that, what do we often think? What's going on? God, where are you? Do you hate me? What is in this life all about? I'm like, if I'm not sick, I'm poor. If I'm not struggling here, I've got struggling in my family, struggling with my children, struggling at work. I'm struggling. There's hardship. People don't like me, and some people, some people even revile me. I, I land, they don't return it. What's this world all about? I thought you were, Lord, I thought you would bless me if I obeyed you and follow your ways. What would Jesus say? To us responding to him this way? No, no, no. More blessed. Blessed are you when you hear the promises that I've spoken to you, hear the word that I've spoken to you, hear the way of true blessedness, and you believe it. You hold on to it. You keep it. That's the true blessedness. And you have to understand what's going on in your life is working for the good, real, lasting blessing. Have you noticed one thing in this world? Nothing really remains, does it? It feels like sand in your hand. How's your health doing? Good for now. How's the, how's the money doing? Not good. We're good. Really good. For now. If you don't feel the transient nature of this world and everything in it, and a sense of the vanity of it, it's like, it's like sand through your hands. Everything that I thought and I looked forward to and I wanted out of this life, I find that it's just not there. I remember in my 20s, I wanted to take on the world. The world is your oyster, they say. Here it is. And you've got dreams and you've got plans and you've wanna, you want to change everything and do all this stuff. And then it's like the vanity of life starts to like grip your neck. And the older you get, the older you get, the more vain it seems. And, and you start to realize this: things are passing quickly. Quickly. How do my children get so old? How is this possible? Look, at, look how gray I am. I look in the mirror and say, I'm 45. 45. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, start, that's starting to scare me. It's like if, if the next, go, next 20 goes as fast as the last 20, oh, wow. I'll, next thing I'll be staring at the grave thinking, here I come. <laughs> Yes. This, this is the nature of the world we live in. And God's like, have you not gotten it yet? Have you not seen and felt and experienced? How many more lessons do you need? This world is transient. This world is passing. This world is fleeting. And everything in it, it should almost grip you with a sense of gnawing ache. Oh, how long, oh Lord. The frustration, the trouble... God's like, man, how, what do I have to do to get your eyes pointed toward the resurrection? Toward the life that is to come? Toward your eternal hope? To what Jesus has purchased for you? 
Do you notice you keep smacking your knuckles on those things you're holding on to? Those things that you clutch and grab after and want? You wanted that position so bad, so bad, and then you got it. Well, this is when I thought it was. And now you're afraid of losing it. Oh, no. Maybe someone will come and take it from me. The vanity of it all. The, the, the short shelf life at all, of it all. If we could just see the you know, due date on the bottom of everything, and we would realize that it's not very long. This is what it's like in this world. And we often, what we are calling blessed, oh, so blessed, as this woman cried out, blessed are, is the woman who bore you and nursed you. And Jesus says, uh, I've got something for you. He's not, he didn't deny the blessing. Like, oh, no, that's no blessing. No, he said, no, it's more blessed. Let me tell you where the, the greater blessings are. The blessings are those who hear the word of God and keep it those who obey it, those who treasure it and say, no, the Lord has spoken. He's told me where the true blessings lie. You know, we often think that if we obey God, if we follow God, if we do what God has said, what will happen? God will bless us. And what will that blessing look like? Oh, we, we got a good idea what we think it's going to look like. And then when it doesn't happen, it doesn't come our way. It doesn't work out. You a little upset? You a little angry at God? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah, we are. You know why we are? Because we, we respond to Jesus and God and what he's doing in our life wrongly. So often, we, these troubles, these difficulties, these trials, these afflictions, these things come into our lives, and guess what? God sovereignly ordains them and brings them into our lives, and we don't like it. We think that if, we, if God loved us, and he was our heavenly father, and if he was into blessing us, he, he would not allow this to happen. Lie. It's because we're not seeing and understanding the blessing that he's piling up on us. We don't understand that, no, 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 your heavenly father loves you too much to let you get all caught up in the world and the things of this world. He wants your total investment to be in the life that is to come. He wants you to live for the resurrection. He wants you to live for that glory. And just as some people get so caught up and are so passionate and are so into the blessings in this world, he says, no, look at that. I want you to be that caught up in the blessings of the life that is to come. Do you realize that the Apostle Paul is constantly trying people to get this? He got it. He heard the word of God and he kept it. He treasured it. And he realizes, oh, I know where the real blessings are. There in the life that is to come, and I will, I'm going to pile them up there. This is why he can tell us to rejoice in our afflictions. Has that ever like, like, huh? Rejoice in your afflictions? Paul, uh, I don't know if you've ever been afflicted, but it's no good. It's no fun. I don't know what you're talking about. Rejoice in your afflictions. How about you go talk to somebody who's never been afflicted or something? 
But he's saying this, so he tells himself, he's in what I just read for you in 2 Corinthians 5, those afflictions which are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that's beyond measure. You can't even measure it. And you know what? Paul believed it. He was sold on it. He actually convinced, no, the Lord has said, this is where the blessings come. Now just listen, what he was willing to subject himself to, believing the word of God and keeping it. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28 says this. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes last one. Five times he was whipped to the point of almost death. You know why they go less one? Because usually after about 40, the body can't take it anymore and you die. Five times. Could you imagine seeing Paul's back? If he took off his shirt for a swim day? Oh, what is that? Whoa. Three times. Three times I was beaten with rods beaten to the point of almost death. Not quite death, almost death. Once, I was stoned. And usually when you're stoned, you're stoned to death. Now that one, is, they're not holding back. When they're stoning you, they're trying to kill you. God probably revived him. They probably stopped throwing the stones because they thought he was dead. Three times, I was shipwrecked. Now, if I'm a nasty seas and I'm in a boat... And I'm praying to God that he would save us, and I get shipwrecked. I'm thinking that God is against me, not for me. I'm thinking, if God's, if God's with me, and he's going to be with us, and he's going to bless our trip, what am I expecting? Safety. Not shipwreck, hanging on to a, a piece of wood, hoping that I'll float to some safe place. And, and, and you know, if you ever read that story in Acts, the one time Paul was shipwrecked, He says, the Lord has spoken to me and promised that we will be delivered if no one jumps off the ship. You know what I'm expecting before I read? Oh, okay, something really cool is going to happen here. Miraculous. All of a sudden, they're going to, you know, this great wind will come and shove them right onto a beautiful island. Well, no. It destroys them. They run into rocks. The, The ship is absolutely demolished. They're all hanging on to pieces of wood. But they all drift to the island, and they're all safe. And he's like, see, told you. That's not what I'm thinking when I hear God is going to save and deliver us all. No. But that happened to him three times. He's cool with it. Not only is he cool with it, he's saying, man, my bank account right now, the eternal one, is heavy. Heavy. He says three times... So, I'm sorry, three times shipwrecked. And night and a day I was left adrift at sea. So this is beyond the shipwreck. He's left adrift. Like basically, uh, no, you're not going to live because you're, you're out at sea drifting on a piece of wood. Thinking there's no way. I mean, they don't see land in sight. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers and dangers from robbers... Danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food. What? Hunger and thirst, often without food. What's, where's God, where are you now? Why don't you feed me? No, he says, man, my bank account's fat. 
He's believing the word of God. He considers this. He's the one who says, oh, those light, those light afflictions are but for a moment. Preparing for us an eternal, eternal weight of glory that is beyond measure. He's also in cold and exposed. I mean, I, you can't even imagine. I, I think of what he's gone through. If anybody ever thought that God hated them, it has to be Paul. If anybody ever thought that God had rejected them, it has to be Paul. If anyone thought that the most unblessed guy in the world would be Paul. Man, if you had to put a list of the people God hated, Paul had got to be up the top. If, that, if we judge by what God is doing to us here and what's happening to us, and we don't understand the promises and what he's declared to us and what we think is true blessing, we are going to respond to Jesus and what he's doing in our life wrongly in a very inappropriate way. And you know the reason we would never be willing to subject ourselves to this and count ourselves blessed? Say, I am blessed by this. This is a blessing in my life. The Lord is blessing me is because we don't believe his promises. Plain and simple, right? Let's just be honest. Let's be real honest. The reason why we grumble, the reason why we complain, the reason why we whine, the reason why these things come into our lives, we can't stand it. Why is it? Is it because we've never heard these promises? We've never known that Jesus said these things? No, I would venture to bet it's because we've heard them. We just don't believe them. And that's really, that's my issue, and it's your issue. It isn't God's issue. (laughs) Don't think that God hasn't said. He's spoken. His word is spoken. He's promised. And yet, what do we do? We don't believe. And because we don't believe, we get angry and we consider ourselves cursed. God must hate us. Or we wonder, what did I do wrong to deserve this? All right? And this is why we often praise Jesus for the blessings that we see while we miss the real blessings that come from believing the word of God for the blessings that we don't see. But there's another poor response that we see in this passage. And boy, have I cooked my time. In verse 29, it says, When the crowd was increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. And so just like the people seeking a sign here, there's people seeking a sign. It isn't uncommon for us to look to Jesus or look for Jesus to do more than he's already done. The same thing. Jesus knew that the Pharisees were there. And not only were they there, actually I think we have good evidence that the Pharisees are the ones who actually asked, keep pressing him and asking him for this question. Give us a sign. Prove it. Because we know this because in Matthew's account of the same story, it specifically says that it was the Pharisees who were the ones who actually asked for the sign. Now, in asking for the sign, they weren't asking him to do something that he's already done. They weren't asking him to cast out a demon, which they've seen plenty. They weren't asking him to heal people that were diseased and afflicted, which 
they witnessed also. They weren't even asking for people to be raised from the dead, which they've either seen or directly knew about. They wanted a sign from heaven. Like what happened with Moses on Mount Sinai, where he comes down on the mountain and hear God's voice, and there's lightning, or the stars are all aligning, and the angels singing in heaven. And we know this because it says in Luke 11, verse 16, others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. They wanted a voice from heaven. They wanted the stars to align. They wanted something in the heavens to say, Jesus, right now, okay, Father in heaven, say to them right now that I am the Messiah. But you know what? Jesus isn't playing their game. So he said the only sign they're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Because Jesus knows that even if you saw a sign like that, you still wouldn't believe. No, you'd say, oh, he has a demon. That was demonic. He knows their hearts. But he says, yeah, you'll get a sign, all right. You'll get the sign of Jonah. And you know how Jonah went down into the belly, of whale, in the belly of a whale and was brought up on the third day? So I will go down into the belly of the grave and be brought up on the third day. This obviously, obviously meant nothing to them because they had no idea what he's talking about. How encrypted is that? Jonah? As Jonah, that's the sign. As it happened to Jonah, will happen to the Son of Man. Like, what? I love it because Jesus, you know, he's messing with them. Totally. They're like, what? What is he talking about? You know, they go away confused because they're, they're lost. All, they have no interest in him at all. They can't stand him and all they're looking for are ways to accuse him. And so he messes with them. Because even though Jesus is and will be raised from the dead, and even though he testified to it plenty of times, they didn't go, oh, now we believe. Like the most miraculous thing that ever could happen, you raise yourself from the dead. Like you want a sign, that's a sign. I mean, here, put me to death, clearly put to death, you know you did it, and I raised from the dead. There's your sign, right? And of course, again, well, he has a demon. That's how it happened. They would have said something because that's what they do. And, and, and then what they do is they go try to cover this up somehow. And this is why the queen of Sheba, he says, and the Ninevites will judge him, will judge this generation, he says, this evil generation, because, okay, the queen of Sheba was a, amazed by Solomon's wisdom, and she traveled many, many miles just to go see him. The people of Nineveh heard Jonah preach, and they repented. He says, look how they responded. And I'll tell you what, there is right now in your midst someone way greater than Solomon, way greater than, than Jonah. And if you, you don't respond to ones way greater to them, like they responded to them, they're going to come and rightfully sit in judgment upon you in this generation. That's what's going to happen to you. You are going to be judged by them. You know, it would be easy for us to sit here and condemn the Pharisees for their blindness and hardness of heart. But we respond in similar ways also. And what I mean by that is we don't often, Jesus, what Jesus has already done, what he's already provided for, is often not enough. We want more. Jesus has already overcome the evil one as the righteous son of God. He's already given up himself in death on a cross to make atonement for our sins. He's already rose from the dead to overcome death and give us eternal life. Not only that, but he's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us. 
comfort us and to grant us blessed fruit. And on top of that, he's just heaped on a pile of promises, promising what he's going to give us and do for us in the life that's to come. He says, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything. And I've given, I have not left one thing undone. Yet it's not enough. We want more. We want more. Jesus, we want more. But he's given us everything we need. We don't like what Jesus is doing or what he's giving, and so we pray for it to go away. And when he doesn't give us what we want, we grumble, we complain, we get frustrated with his plan, and we ask him for more. Jesus, would you please show me a sign? Sometimes we even get to go that far. We ask him for more. We ask him even for signs. Could you show me a sign that, you know, that you're really with me? No, I've already said that I'm with you. I've told you I am with you. Always. Could you give me a sign or something, Jesus? Because what that is, is our, our faith is wavering. We're weak. We doubt. Jesus has already given what is needed. All, what we're called to do is to believe it. And like so much of Israel, we have the wrong idea of what Jesus has promised us and what he's supposed to do for us in this life. As we just looked at in that previous point of the woman. You know, there's so much similarity. At first, I didn't even see the similarity between the woman and these people. But there's just, it's just an inappropriate response to who Jesus is and what he's done. And yet, we do the same thing. The Pharisees always wanted more. They wouldn't believe what was already given to them. They just wanted more. Well, give us a sign. And they wouldn't believe that. Give us another sign. They wouldn't believe that. But are we like that not also sometimes? Always wanting more. Jesus, could you give me? Please, just, this is what I need. Please, just, he says, no, I've given you what you need. And this, we have a hard time giving thanks in all things. We have a hard time praising him in all things. We have a hard time saying, Lord, everything you have, I have been given to me. I am so blessed. Even for these light afflictions that come upon me in this life, I'm so blessed. Well, why are you so blessed? Can you believe it? He's given everything I need now. And not only that, this is just piling up for me the blessings in the life that is to come. He is going to bless my socks off for this. But we want more. And usually what that means is we want more here. We want more now. He's already promised that you're going to have more than you could ever think or imagine. Just wait. It's that thing we hate to hear. Delayed gratification. Why delay? Because you won't even imagine what he has for you. No eye has seen nor ear has heard what God has stored up for those who love him. He has got things that are going to... For me to say blow your mind isn't even capable. I love what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, help you to understand what the resurrection is going to be like. He says, you notice how when a seed goes into a ground... It comes up, it goes into the ground. It's like kind of a little ugly thing. It's, it's dead. It goes into the ground. And, and what comes out of the ground? A new thing completely. And it's usually filled with glory. The spring flowers, what happens soon, hopefully, pray, please God, spring comes, the flowers start to break out. And so many of those flowers that come out are from, from seeds that were ugly and dead. If you compare the seed to the flower, you're like, the glorious difference is, is unbelievable. He says it's kind of like that, but even more so. These are the blessings. You know what? This is what we have to realize. 
is that so often in our lives we respond to Jesus inappropriately, don't we? So often. So often we miss the real blessings. So often we want Jesus to do more. What, more than he's already done? More than he's already given? More than he's already promised? How about we just take what has been given to us, call ourselves and understand ourselves to be, if we get it, the most blessed people in all the cosmos. And every affliction, every sorrow, every trial, everything that comes upon us, we start to have to understand, wow, the Lord is blessing me. He's giving me his goodness. I can't wait for that resurrection. I can't wait. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me for for just being so stuck on the temporal earthly blessings that you do deed give. Forgive me for being so focused and saturated on those. Forgive me for always wanting more. Forgive me for not seeing the true blessings. Forgive me for not seeing what you've already done and always wanting more. Forgive me, Lord. Oh, that that would be our heart. And that we would see the promises of God and say, and, and say yes, this is where it's at. Embrace what he's given you. And call yourself the most blessed on the planet. Oh, that he might give us eyes to see. And then we will respond to him appropriately. Amen. Father, I thank you so much that you get what you've given us. You've treated us as beloved children. You give not only in this life, but in the life to come beyond measure. And oh, that we would respond. I pray for every person here that we would respond to Jesus appropriately. We would see the true blessing and rejoice in that. We would not ask for more, but rejoice even in what we have. We would see and respond to what Jesus has given appropriate with thanksgiving, with praise, with trust. Oh, that we would respond to you appropriately, Jesus. And our hearts will be filled with praise. Our lips with thanksgiving. And we would be fully committed to you, trusting you for everything in this life. For we ask this in your beloved name. Amen.